Hello, I'm Angela. And I'm Marie, the second half of this mother and daughter team. Welcome to Chalker Checkups. We're here to guide you on your quest for spiritual knowledge and enlightenment. Welcome back. We are back again. (laughs) (laughs) Another week, another gift of hearing us talk. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. (laughs) No, I don't know. (laughs) What do you got for us today, Mom? Well, what comes to mind is I had a friend that he, I asked him what he believes in. And he said, I know one thing absolutely for sure. We are all racing towards our death. (laughs) (laughs) We're racing towards that point in time and we're going to get there. I don't know if I want to be the turtle or the hare in this scenario. (laughs) I know this for sure. (laughs) It is the circle of life. (laughs) So... And I think there's a lot of curiosity about what happens after someone dies. What happens when we die? Where do we go? Well, I think where you go it depends a lot on you. Okay. It depends a lot on you. Um, Like, do you think there's, like, a good place and a bad place? And if you've been a good little girl, you go to heaven? No. <laughs> <laughs> straight up okay Uh, actually from my experience I've spent a lot of time with people that have died actually and gone right over to the astral right after they died been with them on the astral and then have seen them uh in the days and weeks that followed so here's here's what I do know and of course I don't know it all but um that's by a long shot some people do go right into a white light. Now, I don't know what's on the other end of that white light. Maybe that is heaven, and maybe there's a lot of good things happening in that white light, and maybe that is the best of all options. I, I honestly haven't gone into that white light consciously. I would, yeah, I would hope not. <laughs> <laughs> and come back. I mean, I'm sure I've done it in other lifetimes. So that could be heaven or what people call heaven. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I can't speak to something I, I don't know. But I do know the white light exists and I have, see pe- I have seen people walk into it. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that happens. The other thing that happens to people that are really not good people or really bad, malevolent, mean, nasty, murdering, abusing people mm-hmm. is that they go into an area that sometimes is populated or sometimes just themselves but it kind of has the vibration of them interesting okay so they're kind of in like a a prison of they're they're definitely in a contained space that the angels set up that they cannot leave and it has a vibration of who they are and what they did okay in a a way they're trapped by their very own mind and their very own mindset and they're there for however long the angels want them to be there, probably until they reincarnate into another lifetime, which is probably also has a similar vibration to where they've been. Okay. Um, sometimes people will go into those kind of spaces because not because they're bad, but because they have a very particular belief 
and there's no place else for them to go. Um, God isn't going to show up and say, you must believe in me now that you're dead or you have to have, you have to believe in angels or you have to believe in anything because we actually are in a place of free will. Mm -hmm. So if what you believe doesn't exist, isn't real, isn't really out there somewhere, then the angels just set up this little theater of your belief system so you can be there until you figure that out. Okay. And then they send someone like me, and I actually do this, even though I'm alive here now, I do spend time with these people that have passed and go to their little rooms and, you know, go in and say, you know, this may not be all that there is. There's other things out there and there are other belief systems and, you know, there's love and light and things like that. And they usually tell me to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can just F right off with that. (laughs) Basically, that's about it. And then I just very nicely say, okay, but I just wanted you to know. Oh, like, so. I'm here. I'm just going to plant this little seed in, in your room here. <laughs> and I'll see you in another three months, you know, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> okay. And and that's that's really what happens. And I, I guess there are probably, I don't know how many people there are like that. There's probably millions of people like that. But there's lots of space in this other dimension and lots of patient angels. And and I suppose after a while, they'll put them into a, a life, uh, uh, reincarnate them into a life where they can be with a family that might give them another option and give them another perspective and change their mind, as it were. Mm-hmm. And then they can begin to uh, examine other possibilities. Or, or not. <laughs> or not. <laughs> How many times do you think a soul reincarnates? Or, well, and how long does it take, do you think, before the soul reincarnates? Well, it really, really varies. I mean, I have done readings on people that I was pretty sure had a lifetime in like, you know, the 1200s and have only been here like once or twice since then. Oh, okay. So that's really a long time. Now, my last lifetime, when they dropped the bomb in Japan and Nagasaki, I was killed in that bomb blast. I remember walking down the street when it happened. And then I was born in 1953. So that was a pretty quick reincarnation. Wow. And I woke up really, really pissed off about war and bombs and all of that sort of stuff. Even when I was very young, I really anti-war I've always been anti-war still am because I had a good life and they wrecked it yeah that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow I yeah I didn't know that you had remembered that yeah and uh yeah I was I was happy and I liked my life and then boom you know and I was not happy about that so, so sometimes you can come back pretty darn fast okay what and do you that... think that depends on that I don't know for sure. I think that's just where the, that's up to a bunch of angels. They figured that out. I don't know why, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on that you, is way beyond our reckoning. You mean you don't know everything? <laughs> there's a ton that I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I know I minuscule a little bit. and 
I do know that I've had conferences on the astral between lifetimes with the angels about where I was going to go and what I'm going to do. So it's not done just casually. You just don't pop in. Although I have read in some, you know, in some literature, ancient literature that sometimes people, if they're, they're doing something really drastic and they they might just pop into another lifetime just to avoid something on the astral, it's sort of a kind of a frantic response. But I don't know if that happens. It could happen. I could wait, see the possibility of that. Wait, let's back up. You said you remembered having a conference with the angels of where you're going to go. Yes. And why? So was that them telling you like where you're going to go or like kind of a choice given to you? Like you could go here and do this. No, no, not there. a choice. Just talking about, you know, what I was going to be doing, why, and, you know, things like that. Not like you could go to Tahiti or you could go to, you know, uh, LA. No, nothing like that. Okay. So there is some grandmaster plan for all of us, huh? Well, I don't know um, about all of us, but I think, I think there is. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think it's like, I think that to some degree we are in a progression. We're all gaining education and light even if you think you're going downhill the fact that you think you're going downhill is still a recognition of you're moving in a certain direction it's still educational right so in the big broader picture you're always learning you're always gaining light right even well, if i think even like the worst things that happen to you can be taken as a learning experience so that you don't do those things again. Even if you get yourself killed, you wake up on the astro and go, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Well, <laughs> and then you go, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> I'm never going to go. I'm never going to ski off the edge of a mountain again. <laughs> yeah, there's that. So you're always moving. You're always moving and you're always gaining light. I really believe that. I really believe that you don't just, sink down 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 you might go down 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 for a while but then you're still going to gain perspective uh-huh anyway i like to think of it that way no i i think that's a good way to, to think about most things in life for sure it's all a learning curve we're in this great great school and so we're working on that and uh and then we work with the angels in, in terms of when we come back and what we're doing and why we're doing it and it's not just a thoughtless random project and I'm really sure that we come back oftentimes with people that we have seen before and mm -hmm. we have been in relationship before, sometimes many times. And in a way, you know, this kind of blows the uh, soulmate. Soulmate, yes. It kind of blows <laughs> the soulmate thing kind of out of the water. I think that sometimes you think it's your soulmate. You think you see your, you look across the street and, or you're at the park and you're walking you've, your dog and yeah, you've locked eyes with someone and you go, wow, that's my soulmate. And really what that is, is the person you just had six lifetimes with and never did agree on anything. And now uh -huh. you're going to do it again. <laughs> well, that's like not very encouraging i kind of like the idea of locking eyes with someone and falling in love at first sight 
But sometimes you're not really falling in love at first sight. Sometimes you just recognize them and you have something unfulfilled expectation and you and so it's like familiarity. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I know you. And it's mistaken for love. There might be love there, but it might have been like that person was your mother, you know. <laughs> okay. Um it doesn't necessarily mean it's your soulmate. So I would be very suspicious of any time you have that instant aha moment with somebody before you jump into matrimony or something, I would start to ask questions, you know, do I really just think of her and remember warm pie or something? (laughs) Or, or, you know, do I know anything about this person other than I have this feeling be a great person to have around the house? Right. Because, a lot of times that's all it is. I had a relationship with somebody like that. I saw them and before I even, I didn't even know them. And the first thing that popped out of my mind is where have you been? Yeah. And then, you know, and this kind of angst about it. And it wasn't until years later that I remembered that in a lifetime where uh, we had been married and he had gone off to sell some things on market. He took our horse and he, went off to sell some things like he did from time to time all good and he didn't come back and Uh later he was found dead and the horse was taken you know someone killed him probably for his goods in this horse and I was left in a situation where I had to marry somebody to make everything work to keep the property and the little hut we had and our fruit trees and like that and the whole thing was just awful so when i saw him that was my first response where 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 where'd you go i don't know it just kind of came out of me but i also had the feeling like wow i know you you know and i did like the person but in this lifetime he was very dysfunctional well probably from being murdered in his last lifetime of just trying to provide for the family i can't imagine that would help you very much Right. And a lot of times we do carry that stuff. We carry this trauma and maybe the sense of failure and the fright, everything about that. Uh It was just like two unfulfilled expectations meeting again. And ultimately it didn't work. So you guys, he had the same kind of feeling towards you in that moment. And then you guys did date for a while. Yes, we did. Actually, we lived together for several years and, and, and then what happens is then you begin to see who you're with now as opposed to who you remember in your psyche from another time. And it's sort of like one thing dissolves and then you're stuck with this other thing and you're like, whoa, this is, you know, where are we now? And I think that's what happens to a lot of people. They they find someone from another lifetime and for a while, for a year, or maybe sometimes more than a year, they're kind of running on a kind of a deep psychic memory from another life. And that's kind of all they're seeing. And then they kind of snap out of it that at some point, and they're really looking at who they're with in this life and all of the baggage or the personality of that person has now. And it's like suddenly they're like, who is this person yeah wow why have they changed they haven't really changed at all but you never but you just have them. this unconscious expectation of who they were before 
And that's who you were, that's who you were really focusing on. You weren't focusing on them. You were focusing on a memory. You were in love with a memory, not with who they are in this moment, which isn't really very fair to them, but it happens. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. And it happens a lot. And How conscious do you think we are affected by a lot of these past lives? Like, I know there's some, like, I saw a video that of this amazing, like, one-year-old who was playing, you know, almost like Mozart piano. So I think there's some situations like that, that you, they must come from, like, a past life. But how, how conscious are these past lives affecting our daily lives if we're not very conscious of it? Well, I think there there are huge, huge amounts of effect that we're under from things for our past life, things that we're afraid of. People have fears that have no rational correlation to anything that's happened. You know, oh. like I won't go into the water or I won't get in an elevator or I don't want to be near a horse. I'm terrified of dogs or things of that nature. Mm hmm. And I think a lot of times those, those relate very much to something that happened in their past life. There's certain skills that they're very attracted to, they want to do because they've had them in a past life. And of course, you know, I mentioned on other podcasts, I learned, I relearned jewelry from a memory from a past life and did, I made very fine jewelry, uh, for 27 years from a past life memory mm -hmm. and I was very drawn to doing jewelry I wanted to do jewelry I'm you know I felt like that's what I should be doing mm -hmm. and then I felt like I was cheating because I'd done it before <laughs> <laughs> then they're done that <laughs> it does feel like cheating <laughs> I'm still trying to remember any other language from a past <laughs> life and instead I have to take Spanish classes so Right. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, like they talk about Mozart, how, how really um, irreverent he was, you know, and drinking and everything else. And at the same time, he was downloading like unbelievable music. Right. Most likely from a past life, but maybe part of it was just from the Akashic Records. But again, that's probably past life, too. So it just uh, I think there's a, a huge amount of things that we're doing that from a past life. I think that if we, as you start to remember it, now I remember now around 25 different past lives. And then I look at the pattern of things I've done in this life and the people that I've met in this life. And those past lives, it's like taking a piece of the puzzle and going, ah, this one goes there. Now that makes sense. And here, this one goes here and this one goes here. And you begin to say, okay, is there anything I'm doing here that really relates to what I'm doing here? Uh -huh. <laughs> because the, it's so complex. Yeah, you, you have me stumped today. <laughs> this is blowing my <laughs> mind. <laughs> yeah, there, there's always a lot more to it than you think. My boyfriend introduced me to this family. The husband had, I, don't, I can't remember, four or five kids. And the wife had four or five kids. So they had a herd of children, a lot of kids. And she got pregnant again. And she wasn't even going to tell him. She just was not going to have any more children. 
And somebody brought over a Ouija board. So she started to do this Ouija board and the Ouija board spelled out, please let me be born. I was your grandfather. Wow. And, <laughs> and the husband, he, he said, do we have something we need to talk about here? <laughs> so they decided to have this this child and uh, her grandfather was a conductor on the trolley cars in san francisco and i saw this little girl and she put on a t-shirt she wouldn't wear girl clothes this was when she was about three three and a half uh-huh. she she only would wear like blue jeans which she pulled down on below her belly button and on her hips and then she would put her her thumbs in the belt loop uh-huh. of her of her pants and then she walked in this funny funny way like an old man and then she took some cardboard and rolled it into the sleeve of her t-shirt like they used to roll cigarette packs Uh in in the sleeve of men used to do and then she'd put a pencil behind her ear and then she'd say put your nickel in the box move to the back of the car And she was running around doing this. She, no one told her anything about trolley cars or anything like that. She just was being a trolley car driver and in her outfit and her attitude and everything. And it was a lot to get her to turn into a little girl. Wow. (laughs) And you can say, well, no, there's no such thing as reincarnation. But then what do you do when you have kids like that? Right. My parents had a friend that their, their little boy they took him to a house party and they had a pool table downstairs and the kid just started telling them everything about playing pool, every bit of slang about playing pool. They had no idea this kid ever had never even seen a pool table, but when he saw it, it's like he knew everything about playing pool. He knew what different shots were called. He knew everything about it. That's amazing. Yeah. He just did. He just knew it. Well, and I know you had talked to me before, but you had an interesting theory on our LGBTQ community in that you said sometimes souls are getting reincarnated so fast that you may feel like a woman if you're born a man, etc., just because that's who you've been in the last few lifetimes. Yeah, and not to not to say there's anything right or wrong about either way, but I do feel like sometimes somebody's like they're a man, they're a man, they're a man, then they're a woman, and it just doesn't feel right to them. Right. And and it's almost like what happened here. This just isn't the yeah, way. I don't it be. I don't identify as a man because I haven't been. I haven't like, been. Yeah, I, I think it's just like an interesting thing to think about. And then they might turn around in the next life and not be again. In, in the lifetimes I remember, most of them I've been men. I have not been a woman very often. And I wasn't very happy about being a woman in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And most of the, and, and I've not been a white person. And I was like, when I woke up this lifetime and from a very early age, I'm like, there must be a big mistake here. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a girl and I'm white. I mean, hello. Yeah. Yeah, what is going on here? So um, you must have loved your brother talking about uh, white as a board and seeing Casper. Huh? Oh yeah, my brother. Yeah, I have such white skin that uh, when I was little, it was just 
you could see the veins on my, all, all my skin. I was so pale. And oh, but yeah, not not a lot to be very happy about there. No, not <laughs> a lot. No. But I just I just thought that was a big mistake. Somebody made a really big mistake here. Yeah. The angel and, sent you on a mission. <laughs> maybe I needed to get a different perspective, actually. Probably see the other side. <laughs> That could be it as well. That could be it. Have a little bit more compassion for the other side. I'm still working on that one. But at any rate. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that happens a lot. You, you uh, identify. You identify yeah. with uh, one particular sex more. And then if you get switched up, um, that can be really awkward. Yeah. And your partner, you could have had a partner for three, four, or five lifetimes that you did get along with really well. And all of a sudden, you're the same sex or something like that. And that's who you're drawing to. Yeah, which also makes perfect sense. Well, and who's to say that's right or wrong? You know, it's just, uh, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I think that people are reincarnating faster than they used to. I don't have any real proof on that, but... I do think there are, I mean, one of the things that makes me think that is because the population is like expanding. And so I think more and more people are coming at this time, whereas they might not have come for many, many, many years. Now, everybody's coming. Right. So it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic that's going on. Yeah. Do you think Buddhism, where they talk about reincarnating um into you know animals or bugs and stuff and that's why they believe not to harm other living beings like do you think we do reincarnate into other types of beings i don't i don't think we do i don't think we do that i could be wrong but i don't think we do just curious i have seen interesting beings inside certain animals like uh, uh we had a corgi dog and there was this little kind of golden little man in kind of folded accordion like so he'd fit inside this corgi dog and our corgi was really brilliant little dog and exceptional in a lot of ways but that little man wasn't like a human it was more like um kind of like a fairy or something like that it was interesting well that's very fitting as they named that dog pixie (laughs) (laughs) yeah And Pixie was exceptional. I mean, he would literally, she would literally chase like chickens up against the fence and hold them very gently with her nose so we could catch them and put them back on the right side of the fence, things like that. So she did exceptional things. It was a smart, smart dog. So I've seen things like that inside of certain animals, but not every animal. Uh Other animals I've seen just very bright lights inside of, like... um, like you would see inside of a fairy or a plant diva. Uh It's hard for me to think that those would make a leap to a human type spirit. Maybe they do at some point. Uh And I don't know if somebody killed somebody, why degrade the dogs by putting them in a dog? I mean, dogs. (laughs) I mean, 
I don't know. I feel like coming back as one of these uh, rich people's dogs is like the life to live. (laughs) (laughs) You get fed every day. You get to take naps and go on walks. Like people pet your ears and you don't have to go to a job. Like you get to play with your toy and get belly rubs. I would love to come back as one of my animals. (laughs) Yeah, I had had a friend that uh, what they did for her horse, she spent $4,000 a month on different treatments for her horse i mean today my horse is having massage tomorrow cranial sacral then she has a photo shoot and you know then she has exercise thing then she's got her swim therapy and i'm like wow can i be your horse yeah i would like to be that horse (laughs) but uh I have not seen any evidence, nor have you ever seen anything on the astral. I've never talked to any angels that have mentioned anything. I have no indication whatsoever that we turn into a worm, a worm turns into us, Yeah, we turn into a cricket, our cricket turns into a dog, anything like that. Uh-huh. I don't know where the Buddhists get that. They may be right. Yeah, there's no way to know. They say Buddha always said, you may be right. I'll say the same thing. They may be right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Moving on. Moving on. (laughs) Well, so moving on, we've talked about death a little bit and reincarnation, but let's talk about the aspect of the person that gets left behind. Like someone in your life has left passed away or something like how do we deal with that sort of grief well it's an interesting thing i think there's parts of separation and grief and death that are pretty much understood in our society and dealt with fairly well and there are other parts that are kind of people aren't conscious of at all and they don't understand Uh and are not dealt with so most people are in our society are aware of the five stages of grief, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. Yes. And it's probably true to some degree, all of that exists. The thing that I think that people on one level know, and but don't really think about, because I'm psychic, I see it as a, in a different way. Uh-huh. My mother recently passed. I'm 70 years old. So I had a 70-year relationship with my mother. In the last 20 years, I've spent more time living with her than any anywhere else. In all of the last 10 years, I lived with her totally that time. And I took care of her during that time. So what happens when you have a relationship? as a mother and a child, or even this happens in relationships that are not parents, like a marriage or something like that. Uh-huh. Or you even s- a friendship. Or even a friendship. And these don't always end in death. It won't matter because you can be grieving in other situations other than when somebody passes. You start to interact with each other and you start to build thought forms together. You make plans together. I'm going to be your mother and I'm going to love you forever. We're going to take care of each other and we're going to do things. We're going to go to the park. I'm going to make your clothes. You're going to go to school. I'm going to be at your wedding. You put all these thoughts together. 
hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of thoughts that and thoughts are things and thoughts attract other thoughts and they become a more and more powerful construct and over many many years that construct gets stronger and stronger now if a person is in a relationship and they're somewhat indifferent like yeah yeah whatever i'm out of here i don't want to listen to you or i'm not into this or i don't care the construct isn't going to be as strong mm-hmm. but if if you took a, the example of maybe a couple that got married when they were like 17 and they were married for like 65 years and they were really devoted to each other and they planned everything and they had their three kids and they built a house in the country and they landscaped it all and everything went exactly as they planned and then one of them dies Mm -hmm. for the other one that's left all of this construct that they put together they made together now half of that is crumbling Mm -hmm. it's falling apart And on one level, you're grieving very deeply for the person that's gone. And you're sad about that. But on another level, it's like this castle and half of the bricks are disintegrating. And it looks like you have nothing left, nothing solid, nothing works. And it's overwhelming. Like, wow, this, you know, I put this together in... 65 years of hard work and now it is crumbling Mm -hmm. and this is i think sometimes what happens with people that one person dies and the other person just they can't deal and they die too Mm -hmm. because it is just too much for them to even confront this Mm -hmm. now it's interesting i noticed with my mom it's like i It was like she was still here, although I know she's not here. And then I I realized this is the construct. So I started to literally, on a psychic level, say, okay, let's move her thought forms away from my thought forms Mm -hmm. and send her thought forms away with her. Mm -hmm. And I immediately started to feel better and lighter, like less depression and less upset. Because I can't hold it all together. It's falling apart anyway. And if you're just in it and it's kind of crumbling and you're trying to make sense of it, it is kind of overwhelming. So you're not necessarily talking about thought forms that are hanging around the house that you can just smudge out, but some that you need to like get out of your energetic system kind of thing because they've been built together. Yes, you've kind of built them together. You know, like in a relationship, you'll say, you know, we are going to do this. We're going to get an apartment. An apartment's going to be blue, you know, when you get one. And you you do all this stuff. And you talk to each other constantly about, I'm going to feel this way about you. I'm going to be faithful. You're going to be faithful. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it's so many thoughts. It's way beyond what you would believe in a religion. It's way beyond what you'd be taught in school because Uh in a relationship that's ongoing for many, many years, you spend much more time 
interacting and listening to and agreeing or disagreeing with this person and building this construct. Uh In a way, it's like this long-term contract. And then, boom, it's over. And like, whoa, what happened to the plan? You know, the plan is no more. Right. <laughs> the plan is now not a plan. And, I, and I've got this thing here and I don't know what to do with this thing. And, so half of, and I've got a lot of energy in this thing and I don't know what to do with that either. So what do we do with the thing? That's a good question. That's a good question. And I think what really helps is to first of all recognize that. I, I, I like the visual of like a castle and half of the bricks are falling apart and you're stuck with the rest of the bricks, you know, you just, so instead yeah, of you trying start to visualize picking up the bricks and placing them again, or, or you, you decide to put yours somewhere else and you like, let it go. I mean, let, instead of trying to hold it together or understand it, well, okay, this is how it's supposed to happen, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to accelerate the process and send all the the crumbling part away with the person uh-huh. you know she's in the light and let's send all of those thoughts all of that part of the plan away with them because it's not doing you any good and even short-term relationship one or two years and you think you're in love and you think it's going to work and you go through all this stuff and then one person in relationship uh-huh and then you're struggling with the sadness and everything, and it doesn't seem to go away. Then I would start to say, okay, it's the construct. You've got this construct that you started to build, and you're kind of clinging to it. Whereas probably would be healthier if you said, okay, I'm going to take all my bricks and put them in you know, my place, and I'm going to take their bricks and put them in their place. So that... Okay. <laughs> bringing you back down to earth how do we do this <laughs> okay you visualize it you visualize that and and you realize it i have thought forms i have built with this person and i am going to change my thought forms i am going to see them now is separating into two piles uh-huh I am literally going to say, okay, they are no longer going to be entwined because I control what thought forms I put out there. Uh So I'm going to start to say, okay, I'm now going to want my thought forms in a separate situation and this other person's thought forms with them. And so you're kind of trying to retrain your brain from getting into a pattern of being like, getting sad over what could have been or what would would have been or what would be that's not going to be anymore instead of getting caught in that cycle you're stopping that pattern and partly that and partly retrain your brain from trying to hold together something that cannot be held together but isn't really deconstructed because you're trying to hold it together Uh uh-huh and that just makes you sad. It's like you're looking at the crumbling castle and you keep trying to throw cement on it or something. <laughs> you know. Or if it's a sand castle and the, the waves are taking it away and you're trying to build it back up. <laughs> right. You know, what's going on here? Oh, this is so depressing. You know, I, I can't hold it, but I don't want to let it go either. Okay. 
it's better to just say, okay, this is supposed to decompose, this is supposed to decompose. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to accelerate that. I'm going to just literally use my will from what controls my thought forms and deconstruct them in a visual that works. Now, uh, I had a, a friend that he, he said, I'm going to do it literally on paper. I'm going to write down some of those thought forms and plans and stuff, and I'm going to throw them in the fire and burn them. There they go. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good idea. You Say plan to it. live till 60 and you died at 40. Okay, let's throw that in the fire. You know, everything, everything that you feel that was supposed to be there and it's no longer there, write them down and burn them. And I think that the people that have this lingering depression and, and this heart wrenching stuff going on that they just can't pull out of. And it goes beyond what would be considered like a normal time. It's not that their grief isn't real or their, their pain isn't real. I know it is, but it'll, it'll be easier when they deconstruct this because they're not in it so deeply in this big thought form every day. Uh I noticed that I just, I've done, I've just been working on this with my mother for about four or five days. And I already feel much better just getting some of the thought forms because she was big on making plans that involved both of us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all the time. She was always talking about what plans she had for both of us. Mm-hmm. and so um and obviously that's not none of that's going to happen so i want to get all that out and away and i have to build my own plans mm-hmm. that's the healthy thing to do do you think there's other like energetic exercises of how someone can handle their depression or have it managed in a better way like in addition to the deconstructing thought forms or burning burning these ideas up in flames if you're if you're talking about just depression about someone who's passed yes one thing about one thing about depression that people don't seem to understand is pres- depression is often suppressed anger Mm-hmm. people are angry and one of the things that they don't want to say is that I'm pissed off at you for dying mm-hmm. sometimes if someone's been sick for a long time the truth is I'm angry that you lived so long and I'm pissed off that you died mm-hmm. And which that's is all- just like a really hard thing to wrap your head around in the acceptance of those thoughts even being okay right so you don't feel good with that. So then you just don't want to express that. You don't, someone says, how you, how do you feel? Oh, I'm really pissed off that they lived so long and I'm really pissed off that they died. People, yeah. you know, they're not going to take that very well. So you don't want to say that, you know? So you're just depressed. Uh-huh. You're just holding on to it. And you don't know what to do with it. Uh-huh. But well, you, you could, I- you could write that out and burn that. Or you could you could start a journal of just exactly how I really feel about this whole thing. You know, call it something like that. How exactly do I feel about what has transpired, and what am I? What expectations did 
I never get out of this relationship or this, you know, and now it's gone. Mm-hmm. And there's probably a, you know, a big list for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then they can just start to look at that. And maybe some of those are things they want to try to recreate with someone else. And maybe there's some of those they never want to recreate. And then they can just examine that a little bit and start to take control instead of just floundering. The point is that thoughts are things. They're like rubber balls or gooey pancakes. They are, they have substance. They can be felt. They can be tactile. They are not just nothing. Mm-hmm. So, which makes a lot of sense when you put it in terms of a family member that dies that might be like distant in not much of a part of your daily life. You love them, but you're not so affected by that in your day to day life. They're not there. Right. Yeah. You get over that more quickly. Right. But if you were like, um, like a twin or something a little with a sister or some brother and all of a sudden and they die suddenly right you can be really devastated like you just had everything all wound around each other and then boom one's gone right and it is the same with relationship and again it don't have to die you can have a relationship that you just think is just the perfect relationship and you're so happy and everything's great and you've got i think it's worse when people have very strong minds and they've got a good ability to make plans and they can visualize things because Mm -hmm. those people make stronger thought forms. Mm -hmm. So they develop all these thoughts about the relationship and about everything that's going to happen and how their lives are going to intertwine and all of that stuff is going on. And then when it deconstructs, the whole world is crumbled. Their whole world is crumbled, and it's and they've put a lot of energy into it. Uh huh. Put a huge amount of energy into it, so it's hard to conceive. Like, how did this fall apart? And they'll talk about it like, "Wow, my world has fallen apart." Uh huh. Because that's what's happening. I know you think think of it again like a castle, and every other brick is turning to dust. Um, uh-huh. it, or like that game of. Uh the jenga where you're you're pulling out each brick at a time until it falls down yeah exactly and you have no choice so despite all of your mental effort and all of what you have constructed particularly when someone dies you have no choice Uh uh-huh your vote doesn't count and that's part of the depression is not that it's not so much sadness is you're pissed off because you didn't get a choice. Mm -hmm. So I guess the better way to handle it would be then to start, start building like positive thoughts about your life on your own then like, okay, this is what I'm going to start build for me. Yes. New thought forms, new positive thought forms. Mm -hmm. And in the in the episode how to get rid of your ex i talk about putting putting a person yourself in a circle of blue light and a person that you want to separate from in a circle of blue light and what i've been doing uh with my mother is i putting myself in a circle of blue light and i'm putting her and all of her thought forms with her in her circle of blue light and then seeing them moving off into heaven 
uh-huh so that i i've got this delineated idea going on in my creation that here i am here and her and all of her thought forms are here and they are moving away and how do you feel i feel good i feel better <laughs> my energy's coming up i was feeling very drained yeah and uh, and i was also feeling like like she was still here and I knew that she wasn't here like a ghost like here. So I was like, what is that? Then I realized this is a thought form. Mm. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. I've been around a lot of people that have died, but I haven't been around a lot of people that I spent this much closeness to as I had with my my mother over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. So it was it was sort of an interesting study on that on that level. Mm-hmm. So I definitely started to, my energy started coming up a lot more when I started to do this. So to deconstruct this and start to be able to construct now the way I want to build things. Well, I have to do something. Mm -hmm. So it's better to, to construct positively. So what are you focusing on now? What are you trying to build in your mind? I want to change the consciousness in the world with our podcast and with everything else I do. I want to bring more consciousness of the way the world works psychically and otherwise to as many people as possible so that consciousness will be raised up and people will treat each other better and live in more joy, peace and health. Well, I can't say no to that. That's for sure. That's my goal. It's a really good goal. So if you're listening out there, share our podcast with someone you know. Spread the word. Until next time. Until next time. Mm -hmm.